Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Uh, good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards that never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the movie that was passed around in the theaters and dorm rooms for all of 2004, but would eventually become the first movie that comes to mind when people talk about horror comedy. It's the way ahead of its time and still somehow very much 2004, Shaun of the Dead. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Uh, anyone else hear Simon Pegg say his character is 29 years old and <laughs> feel their heart just fucking leave their body? My whole soul left my body. Like, I just turned into dust. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a real old 29, I gotta say. And the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our like... co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Well, other than turning into dust... I did get through this movie. Well, I know I didn't get through this movie without crying. I can't. No, you can't. You can't get through the mom's no. death scene without crying. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You can't. Yeah. But other than that, I'm doing great. Great. Fantastic. And our guest tonight, comics artist and writer, and uh, my one-time collaborator on Marvel's Future Foundation, it's our buddy, Will Robson. Will, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, my body also went to a different planet when I heard 29 is now a 33 year old man. I thought he's doing a bit better off than I am. <laughs> well, it's not quite the same energy as Jason Alexander being 29 in the season one of Seinfeld. Is that true? That is true. Mike, the actor or just the character? Both as far as I know, Mike. the actor for sure. I didn't know this amount of deep lore of Seinfeld. This is yikes. Was getting into it. I'm gonna be getting. It's into very disturbing more, but... knowing Jason Alexander had a 20s. That's a guy you really <laughs> watch, just like coming into existence like Athena out of Zeus's head at age 37. Yeah, I swear he was born with that haircut. Like, well, he probably was as a baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it may have grown in a little bit, but yeah, it went right back to it. <laughs> it's all yeah, the black a... hair around the it head out, hair. and then it's it's just doing concentric circles outwards. Before we get too caught up in talking about Shaun of the Dead or Jason Alexander's hair, for that matter, Will, you have a big project coming up on Kickstarter this month. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? I do, yeah. So I have been running my own passion project called Outbreaks. It's a zombie comic. I'm a huge zombie fan. I have been ever since I saw Thriller as a five-year-old on MTV. And while everyone was laughing at the zombies dancing, I was petrified. So it's just something about that has always scared me for life. And I've just loved zombies, and I've been trying to put my I own books. As someone who has run out, scream, run out of a room screaming because the monster mash was put on, <laughs> I, I sympathize. Yeah, well, I think Simon Pegg's reaction when that zombie walks in the room is like exactly me in, in any zombie scenario. When he just chucks his hands in the air and goes, ah! Like, that would absolutely <laughs> be me. He's got an arm off. I love that. Anyway, so yeah, so this book, huge passion project of mine. We launched issue one back in March and we got funded, which is amazing. We actually got overfunded, which is, I needed it because I didn't kick. Crowdfunding's a tough game. I did not budget it properly. So thank God that I got that funded the way it did. But on September 1st on Kickstarter, I'm launching issues one through two. 
And it, the thing about outbreaks is it's not just your bog standard zombie story. You know, the people trying to survive in the zombie apocalypse has been done to death and done incredibly well. And there's not too much you can add to that type of zombie lore. What I'm trying to do with this book is sort of a Black Mirror style zombie book, where when you look at a show like Black Mirror, everything is always about technology. That's the theme. But every episode is completely different and bringing different genres, different different styles. And I always thought that, man, you could so easily do that with zombies. So in our book, we have like a superhero noir zombie story and a black comedy zombie story. And in the future, we're going to have a courtroom drama zombie story. Like there's so much like stuff you can do with that genre that I'm really excited to do. So I just thank everybody that's backed that project so far. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, then come September 1st, issues one and two will be there on Kickstarter. The pre-launch page is live right now, and I hope you come out for it. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to link that in the notes as well. So if you're yes. wherever you're listening to this, check out the notes and you can check out the, the project on there as well. Thank you so much. Oh, no, it's really exciting. And a great tie-in to uh, talking about Shaun of the Dead, which I think is uh, has definitely proven to be a zombie movie that has influenced, I would say, a generation of, of creatives. Yes. For oh, anybody yeah. that's not familiar, uh, it is directed by Edgar Wright. This is real uh, sort of breakout directorial gig. Well, film directorial. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, and look uh, around you. It's very important. This is the, the start of the Cornetto trilogy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is. The college dorm defying Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. And it is, uh, is written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. And it stars kind of a who's who of. of just sort of great, fun British actors, a lot of whom were just like not quite who they are now. This epic because we've got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Dylan Moran, Peter Serafinowitz, Bill Nye, Penelope Wilton. There's uh, several other people in there now that it's like they have a two second role in Shaun of the Dead, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy is the star of like eight things that are on Netflix in the last two years. And Martin you, Freeman. You mean- yeah, you mean the silent Martin Freeman cameo? Yeah, the Matt Lucas is in there as well from yeah. Little Britain. Well, and you guys, I guess, know him from what do you guys call the Great British Bake Off in America? It's something terrible. Oh, we really just call it the Great <laughs> British Bake Off. I just I've Great never British heard a different name okay. for it. Yeah. I thought it was like, called, something like different. the British Baking Show, and it, like made yeah. me throw up in my mouth. Oh, I think it was they called the Great British Baking Show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah, never called it so that. Wrong. I've never, yeah. never called it that. That goes over as well as uh, X does. Yeah. <laughs> it's still Twitter as far as I'm, t- uh, you know. I had the weird. candlestick part. I had the weird thought going back and watching this movie of being like, and I, I know he was, he was already on an age when this movie was made, but going and thinking to myself, oh, Bill Nye looks really young in this. <laughs> he looks young for a Bill Nye, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, for, uh. for a Bill Nye. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a younger Bill Nye. And by Bill Nye, listeners, I just want you to be just, you know, if, if you're in America and you're listening. I'm not talking the about, science guy. We're not talking about the science guy. We're talking about Mewtwo. All right. So <laughs> we are talking about Mewtwo. Yeah. What did he uh, voice Mewtwo? Yeah. So in the Pokemon movie, he merged with Mewtwo. So spoilers, Mewtwo was, for, spoilers for Detective oh, sorry. Pikachu. Anyway, he's like the big bad no, no, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, he he, he like emerges his Bill brain Nye? with Mewtwo. Yeah, well, he yes. like became so Mewtwo. Mewtwo, and so he was like piloting Mewtwo or some shit. I... And it was Bill Nye. That's and really it was Bill Nye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, when, yeah. I, yes. when I think of Bill Nye, I, 
my brain automatically goes to love actually yeah and i was gonna say i says, started singing that bad version of love is all around me but yeah uh, the only good part of love actually <laughs> but i always always say his line that let's get pissed and watch porn so picturing yeah. you two saying that is quite funny to me yeah when i think so, and i i think the mo- i always think back to the movie that I get like has gotten vetoed many a time on this from being covered on this podcast. Underworld. I've never seen the Underworld series. It's always been on my uh, list to watch. And then every time I'm like, I can watch this now. I go. Yeah, it's a very or not kind of situation. Yeah. If you've ever wondered not. what a PlayStation one video game would be like if it was a movie instead. Check out Underworld. Yeah, it's, right. a good, it's a good music video. So. But yes, Bill and I, uh, uh, Sean's mom, I, I have many, many different associations with. But then, you know, you also have like Rafe's ball and like a five second thing is, you know, the the shitty younger guy who works at, at Sean's store. Noel, it's yeah, it's full of it's full of a lot of people that will make you go, oh, hey, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Damn, Rafe's ball like... has had a fucking glow up. Yeah. He's I don't know if they if they glowed him down for that part where they he's glowed up since then but like so <laughs> i was like same guy i didn't huh? even realize right. i didn't even realize that was him that's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. peter serafinowicz basically looks the same yes peter serafinowicz has not aged a fucking day since 2004 <laughs> so before we go oh. to the recap i just want to mention that there's a game involved in this movie and it's called how many characters from space can you spot only i mean you also have to watch space and there's a lot of deep lore with this movie about space and i'm going to get into that because i've like spent a good five years of my life just watching space but i know one of them isn't the um the delivery cyclist a zombie tires yeah yes tires is a zombie and he basically tires the zombie like he's the i don't think he the character has a name other than tires but he that actor does appear in the world's end Although the only character, and I'm wondering if, if any of you saw him and I just didn't find him. I didn't see Mark Heap anywhere. Did no, I don't see think I did that. Mm-hmm. He may have been a zombie at some point. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Edgar Wright's a zombie at one point and gets shot by all of the uh, the military men at the end. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't recognize him, but I was too busy looking for Mark Heap at the time. So, man. Yeah, I, I do love Jessica Hines just more than a cameo in this movie. She's she's probably my favorite part of space like i do love jessica hines but yes if I, I it's really interesting to me as somebody who had not seen space at all when shawn of the dead came out it was not it was really only available at like dvd box sets at this point in in america so like you know it's one of those things where you had to have known a guy who knew a guy who knew about space I, to have seen it yeah i saw it after as well i, I mean i actually grew up a lot in america from the age of seven to 20 i lived in new jersey so a lot of people think my accent sounds australian because of that i don't hear it but it doesn't matter so i missed a lot of like english culture at the time in 97 i think i don't know when space that she came out but i was not around to see that so i was definitely seeing Shaun of the dead way before space wait if it turns out that australia is england plus new jersey that <laughs> explains everything about think, australia yeah, yeah i mean come on well, to be fair, New Jersey is where we ship our criminals. So, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to do a quick recap. I think uh, recapping Shaun of the Dead is 
a thing that can either take five minutes or eight hours, depending on how many of the things we want to talk about. I'm going to strive more for the five minute side. Yeah. Uh, and then we can talk about all the fun stuff after that. All right. So I think we can safely start with uh, Sean is a loser. Uh, he's a man with a thankless retail job, living with two roommates, one of whom is his grade school friend, Ed, who deals drugs and plays Time Splitters 2 all day. Best game. And the other of whom hates Ed and wants to kick him out. And Sean is sort of constantly defending Ed against everybody, including his girlfriend, Liz, who is desperate to get out of the slog of daily life and doing nothing interesting but hanging out at the pub until she dies. Liz has two friends that are also going to play into this quite a bit. We have Diane, who is a uh, failing actress, and her boyfriend, David, who sucks, uh, who's clearly actually in love with Liz and takes every possible chance to undermine and run down Sean. The movie takes a great deal of time and care at the beginning to drive home the fact that Sean, his friends, and a lot of the recurring background characters of London are actually living like zombies, wandering through their daily lives. That's a lot of sort of what commentary this movie has to offer is about zombies and how we're both not paying attention enough to realize when things go bad, but also it's very much like Dawn of the Dead and that people sort of continue doing their shitty things they were doing in life and death. Uh, a lot of that used for gags. Uh, however, as we slowly see the zombie apocalypse growing in the background, Sean fails to notice as Liz dumps him and his own uh, life begins to fall apart. Sean and Ed discover a woman wandering around in their backyard and uh, learn she's a zombie when they accidentally impale her on a pole. They're unsure what to do until uh, they get a call from Sean's mom who says some kids tried to break into their house and uh, bit his stepdad. Sean and Ned decide to take the zombified roommate, their zombified roommate's car, go rescue mom and kill the stepdad, and then go pick up Liz and go to the pub where they think they can ride this all out safely. Through a series of misadventures, they end up bringing the bitten stepdad along, uh, who ends up dying in the car, giving a very uh, dramatic dying speech. Bill Nye, great turn as a shitty stepdad, and turning after his dramatic monologue. Uh, so they have to ditch the car and end up getting to the pub through the back streets. Sean lures a bunch of the zombies away so his friends can get into the place, but not before uh, David has shattered the front window of the pub, making it difficult for them to then stay hidden uh, and safe in there. Everything that could possibly go wrong does, mostly through the idiotic actions of the main cast, largely Ed and David. Occasionally, Sean gets in on the action. Everybody really does something stupid at some point in this movie. Sean's mom gets a dramatic death uh, and turning with the accompanying debate about whether or not to kill her. David gets dragged out the window and ripped apart uh, in a, a truly grueling yeah, but well-deserved death scene. Diane runs out after him, getting uh, swept up the crowd as well and letting all the zombies into the place. Ed gets bitten by his naked undead ex-roommate. Darth Maul bit him on the arm. <laughs> Darth Maul bit him <laughs> on the arm. Um, <laughs> Ed, Sean, and Liz end up the last living members of the party in the pub cellar. Sean and Liz manage to escape through the barrel hatch and into the street full of zombies while Ed covers them. Uh, just before they can die dramatically, the army shows up and saves them. Uh, we get a look at the post-apocalyptic life, which is much the same as their lives before, but with zombies. Zombies are on talk shows and game shows and doing service jobs. Finally, Sean goes out to the shed to play time splitters. And we discovered that he's uh, still keeping zombie Ed out there in the shed, who's basically the same as Ed was before, just a little bitier. And they they uh, end up playing time splitters together at the end there. The end. Less. I have a question. Yeah. 
of the Cornetto trilogy, which is your favorite? I'm asking the forum. For me, it's definitely Hot Fuzz. A, I think it just nailed all of like everything it was doing, both commentary on and being an action movie. And also it's the one movie in the trilogy where the emotional heart is just a laser focused on the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost relationship. Yeah. In the other movies, it's, you know, more Simon Pegg's overall character maturity is the emotional heart. And then you have like the group of friends in World's End. But I just love how Hot Fuzz is just everything is just laser focused on the on the two guys dynamic. I mean, Hot Fuzz is an incredible film. I think about all the time James Bond having something stabbed through his mouth saying, I want some ice cream. <laughs> like, that's just so yeah. funny to me. What a fucking goat Timothy Dalton is yeah. too. Amazing. I'm a slasher of prizes. Yeah. Oh, it's just, he's so good in that film, but I'm a big zombie nut, so I have to go with Shaun the Dead. I remember this was the one of the films that made me want to go to film school because I just thought the script was so clever. I love all the callbacks. I love all the references to if you're a big zombie fan, there's so much stuff in there. Like, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Barbara. Yeah, and just like just a million other little things, like little lines. There was even at the end, I noticed for the first time now rewatching it, when they're watching TV at the end, they're like, it's been disproven that the zombie apocalypse started by rage-fueled monkeys. That was like, yes. well, they're talking about 28 days it later. That. Yeah. Never even realized it when watching it. So as a zombie fan, there's just so much there. Even uh, David's death is quite like from Day of the Dead, which is my favorite zombie movie by George Aaron, which is the gore of being ripped open by zombies. Oh, that's the worst thing. Like yeah. when, when it comes to zombies, like really when it comes to any horror movies, like, Truly devoured alive by zombie horde. Yeah. Honestly, probably my number one de- worst death. Like, it's one thing to be like, ah, I got bit on the shoulder. And now, ooh, I get to have an emotional, heartfelt thing. And then, well, then at least then I get to be part of the monster squad. And that's fun. One great thing that Edgar Wright said, which I agree with him so much, is so many people, there's a the old debate in the zombie world of what's scarier, fast-moving zombies or slow-moving zombies. And I've always been a slow-moving guy. And I think Edgar Wright said it really well when he said, look, slow-moving zombies are like lava. It may take a while for it to get you, but when it does, it's going to be painful. Because a a fast-rolling zombie, you're screwed, right? You you run out there, it's going to rip your throat out, you'll be eaten in minutes. But the slow ones, they're slow. They're going to pull you apart incredibly slowly. It's going to be terrible. And that's why, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Day of the Dead, but the ending of that film is just the most brutal zombie kills of all time. Just People Ooh. being ripped to pieces by zombies, Good. and it, it, is, yeah. it is tough. We haven't covered that one yet. We no, haven't yeah, covered I, it. I've seen it, but... Yeah, I love I, it. I, I mean, a, a lot of people love Dawn of the Dead as, as Romero's best zombie movie. I get it. The social commentary in the movie is incredible. It's just a great all-around film, but I really feel like Day of the Dead is super underrated, and I recommend you yeah. guys check it out. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean, think Dawn of the Dead, for me, is the key to the question of slow moving zombies versus fast moving zombies. I mean, one should not compare the two, you know, the original Dawn of the Dead and the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, but we're one too. I feel like that is very much at the center of what does and doesn't work about these two films is that Zack Snyder's like, yeah, zombies, isn't that scary? And it's like, well, yeah, the zombies are scary, but like the scary zombies is not the point. The point is, you know, the zombies, are, at least in like the Romero setup, are 
a thing that sets everybody else against each other. Like the humans are the real threat. Um, mm-hmm. And Zack Snyder doesn't seem to understand that the zombie babies are instead what's oh. very scary. Oh, oh, oh God, also, that scene. Or there's you a... could skip ahead in his. Oh, sorry. No, all I was going to add to that was there's a scene in it when there's a bunch of zombies are chasing them and they're running up a stairwell and then they stop and all the zombies just look at them. I'm like, why have these zombies stopped? Why have they stopped and they're just looking at people? Like, this is a plot device just so that they don't eat you right now. Like, this is really bad storytelling. And then you could yeah. skip way forward in his filmography where he's just like, isn't it scary but also cool if sometimes some of the zombies are just unexplained robots? I can't. I, do, I refuse to talk about that film. <laughs> it's a bad movie you know simon Pegg does to some extent but i think is really a a thing that edgar wright does very well is the sort of planting and calling back of things throughout the movie like amazing call this movie does it at a level that almost nothing else can between like all the things that are planted in there that are from other zombie movies but also just the sheer level of like scenes that repeat themselves you know, before and after the apocalypse and, and, you know, little bits and pieces that happen, little bits of dialogue that seem like throwaways and then get delivered on later. Yeah. This movie will make you cry at a fart joke. It will. (laughs) Uh, It's almost... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go. Yeah, please. All I was going to say was it almost is asking you to watch it again, right? To be like, look at all these callbacks. The second time you watch it, you're going to have even more fun because... You're gonna. You're not even gonna realize we were like calling forward on certain events that you didn't catch the first time. Totally. Even before fucking Jeremy and Emily all turned me into this horror junkie you see today, Shaun (laughs) of the Dead was a movie I had already seen like probably about five times already. Yeah, this one was way up. Yeah, like this is one of the. This is on the Mount Rushmore of horror comedies. There's almost a musical cadence to the comedy in this movie and it's sort of a stylistic point of Edgar Wright where he has these um this rhythm of joke and of comedy that you can really kind of get into and it's it's very symmetrical but also like very fun and engaging yeah for anybody who's seen baby driver like rhythm is like his thing I don't know how he does it it's a skill that I don't understand and that I couldn't replicate yeah what he does, I think what you and you can see it early on, is that as far as I can tell, he either clears all of the songs he wants to use before filming or just oh, says, yeah. fuck it, we'll figure it out. Because you can see this in the Queen sequence and you can really see it in Baby Driver. The choreography is very much is very much like made in advance, like to fit the music. Yeah, like when they're hitting him with the pool cues to the beat of the song, like so yeah. that it's all it all comes. It's like the song comes first, and then the rhythm of the action comes later. Instead of try, filming the scene and then trying to score it afterwards. Yeah, it's definitely a music fan. You know, there's a lot of like music fandom in there that I can see. I mean, all the music in his movies, it's so good. But there's the, almost a music video quality in that. Yeah, like, it's the well, rhythm drives the action instead of the action driving the rhythm. There's such yeah. a huge difference between this and like David Ayer's Suicide Squad where it's just needle drop after needle drop after needle yeah. drop. And it's like, why is this here? You got, oh, you cleared it. Okay, so it's like, we're trying to sell a soundtrack here. Whereas this is like, even from, you know, from the very beginning, it it opens with like, what is it that it opens with? Uh, Ghost Town. Um, yeah. It's just playing in the background and then like setting the scene for that first pub scene. And it's killer soundtrack. Yeah. 
and you can hear you can feel the love for the music too it's not mm -hmm. it's not just like we want this music because it's cool and it's fun it's like no there's a connection that the creators have with the music like that was one thing that i mean world's end for me does kind of hit a soft spot because of sisters of mercy and just like how many like burnout goths i have known in my life oh it's a great world's end, a great movie and i love the way Simon Pegg plays against type in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great one. That's one of like why I'm, I get conflicted about that one. I think one of the reasons that it's so popular is that it combines like the camp and also like a situational British comedy and then also like really fine acting. And so, you know, all of like the American audience that has been growing up with like masterpiece theater and stuff and they're like recognizing people and like people have grown up on masterpiece theater and um like doctor the young who? ones and well the doctor who sure but like um <laughs> doctor who is a list like way campy but like the kind of the human interaction is what makes these movies so good because like all of the characters are like fully like absolutely fabulous human and you know and so i think it's also it strikes a chord in like a lot of uh overseas audiences as well as like being very very british it's you know, making me realize just some of the parallels between Shaun of the Dead and World's End mm -hmm. that I think you don't see as much with Hot Fuzz with its Nick Angel, hyper competent, actually knows exactly what his passion is in life, like a uh, yeah. protagonist. It's and it, you can almost say, like, you know, different stages of life, different art is that Shaun of the Dead is almost exploring like, OK, here is a 30 year old who has kind of been a quote, you know, quote unquote loser for the last 10 years and world's end is here is a four-year-old who's been a loser the last like 20 years yeah and here's what fucking here's what fucking around for 10 years versus fucking around for 20 years looks like i mean and it's it's also interesting how it deals with people like the older folks is like gen x etc interaction with I, I know i said older folks and i'm really really sorry about that mm -hmm. but when you talk about gen x and their resistance to like mental health care because they've self-medicated for so long not to be dismissive but i know a lot of gen xers that are into self-care but you know it's it's an interesting conversation because it's like you know the, these characters that are so past their time and then in shot of the dead they're still kind of i mean they're feeling past their time but they're still like now that we're looking at it you know me they're on the cusp girl, right yeah they're definitely on the they're like on that that quarter life crisis. It's like when he says, I like, mean, oh, remember that night we stayed up all night and played Tekken 2 and drank apple schnapps? Yeah. Like, yeah. That was five years ago. Time to move on. That's like, I get this point where they're at. And like, yeah. one thing I like about this film is the everybody in Sean's life is saying, your you need to grow up and your friend is holding you back. And Sean actually does discover that over this movie that, hey, I think everyone's actually right. Like when he, finally snaps on ed in the bar he's mm -hmm. like i've been sticking up for you this like for years and like you know this is it like we're now like we were dicking around it was just our life or whatever but now people's lives are on the line and uh, you know i'm done with you essentially and that so, was like him growing up in, in a way oh yeah no i think the emotional like heart like the absolute core of the movie is and you don't normally see genre in a protagonist that's 29 it's a coming of age film it really is. It really is. And also his like ability to adapt to the zombie situation, like his arc 
happens almost imperceptibly, like immediately, like imperceptibly, because by the time that you really like realize that he's emotionally matured, you know, they're in the midst of the apocalypse, but they still have time to like really discuss his progress. Right. And yes. his plan is bad, though, right? Like oh, they yeah. definitely should have oh, just yeah. stayed at the upper floor apartment that zombies clearly couldn't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his girlfriend's flat would have been the best place to stay. Yeah, like that was yeah, clearly the best place to, to get stay. in. Yeah, there was buzz, multiple doors. You had a ton of shit to barricade your own door. None of them were climbing up the other way. Like, I yeah. lived, I lived yeah, in a complex space to communicate and signal. Like, yeah, that was like that was definitely the safest place to stay. Right? Yeah. I lived in a complex like that in the UK and it is so like if you the times I forgot my keys where I'm like, well, I'm not going inside tonight because it's just they are they're like fortresses. Like it's pretty tough to get in them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you guys need any clarification for any Britishisms in this film, just let me know. I'll do my best. I'm not familiar with Trisha, although I could kind of glean what Trisha is about. The Trisha show. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's just yeah. It's just you know it's it's English England's version of essentially all the the crap Jerry Seinfeldish type stuff. Yeah, with Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, that's it, not Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Sorry, we were talking <laughs> about Seinfeld. Yeah, before. I've also been watching rewatching Curb Enthusiasm recently, so Seinfeld yeah. on the brain. Oh yeah, very good. There's yeah, all, the, yeah. Uh, the, there's the, also the, the lousy of it is like, Seinfeld oh, this stuff. is Ricky Lake. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know like, what I, the equivalent just... of comedians and cars getting coffee is though. Maybe Taskmaster. It'd be. Blokes getting tea in tiny automobiles or something like that. <laughs> in double-decker buses. Yes. In black cabs. Oh, yeah, I don't feel like Britain is really and, like in need of a show specifically for comedians to talk to each other. That's like half of television. There's, there's so many like British panel yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like somehow Jimmy Carr would be involved. Oh, absolutely. But with well, the last name, gonna... yeah. 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 And it's just... Uh. Comedians talking with car instead of in car. Although they could be in him. I mean, that'd be yeah. quite an interesting show. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> they could be for comedian yeah. in car getting coffee. Look, you'd have to air it. Look, look, you couldn't air it on every channel, but yeah, it's yeah, God, it, Martin Freeman, him showing up. I needed to look up like where he was in his career. Yeah, like the like he had done the office. So he yes. had the like the office and I think like love actually had come out where he had like a small role. But like we're definitely pre he is the leading man in Hitchhiker's Guide and definitely oh, yeah. before Sherlock. Absolutely. Day, ages before Sherlock as far it's, as like culture is concerned. You can really chart more like Martin Freeman's career over the course of this Cornetto trilogy as his role gets larger and larger in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's very true. I'm really sad that like the Shaun of the Dead kids aren't quite as like dense on Tumblr. And by dense, I mean like many and concentrated rather than the state of being of, you know, their intellect. But as there's all the super hulogs, but like these are Shaun of the Dead is so like it's even I feel like it does also determine a lot of what the new Doctor Who did and i know simon Pegg was in the new doctor like the first season of the new doctor who back in 2005 with um eccleson eccleson yeah yeah the x there was this sort of tv movie revolution after that too because space had been on and i don't know how space like how popular space was but it wasn't it never hit the states 
my roommate in college <laughs> pirated it. It's okay because I bought it. Um, <laughs> but he pirated it and he's like, here's some deep lore about Shaun of the Dead. And I, uh, we ended up like, that used to be just what I did. Yeah, at the watch time, space. those like yeah. box sets of British television at like a Barnes and Noble were like 90, a hundred dollars for like a season. So it was back in the day where, you know, you got half of a season of anime for a hundred bucks. Um, oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Going out to Sam Goody and getting the Gundam wing VHSs. Yes. Yeah. And speaking yeah. Of like, surely, surely the series will make sense now. I thought naively. <laughs> yeah. I think I had I'm another sorry. one of those moments of like trying to figure out where people were in their career with, uh, with Sean's mom, because I was like, Oh, I know Penelope Welton from like Dr. Who, like she's Harriet Jones MP from Flydale North. And then you know, eventually the prime minister, and I was like, oh, no, that's like a year after this, which trying to date this by what the seasons of Doctor Who look like is very difficult because it still has like during the tenant years, it still has that BBC film quality of like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't look like primetime television. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did y'all see space before this or like me, was this your first exposure to Simon Pegg? This is yeah, my saw- first exposure to Simon Pegg for sure. Same. As I said, I wasn't around in England for space. Definitely afterwards. We had to convert our files from PAL format. <laughs> does, um, does anyone remember? It's not part of the Cornetto trilogy, but it's him and Nick Frost, and they're like, they pitch up a hitchhiking alien, and I think yeah, the alien is Paul. Seth Rogen. Yes, that's yeah. Paul. And that came you, up was, the same was, year as Scott Pilgrim. And you really miss Edgar Wright in that film, that's for sure. Yeah. Edgar Wright was that busy was a... trying to make Ant-Man happen and then dropping off of it before it did. Oh, my God. Oh I totally forgot that he was, like, heavily involved in Ant-Man for the longest time. For, like, for yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. And you could he... still see echoes of him in there. Oh, yeah. In the like, first one, for sure. Definitely. The later yeah. ones, not so yeah. much. Not, not, yeah, not so much by three. Alas. I don't think yeah, I made it to the third one. So, I think, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a hot take, but... uh Diane did absolutely nothing wrong, and David did everything wrong that movie, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. I will stand up for David in one sense of being like, she's going to turn into a zombie and kill you. I understand it may not be the most appropriate time to shoot his mother. Yeah. But as someone who's quite a practical person, I was like, he's not doing anything wrong here. Like, she's going to be a zombie. And she does stand up as a zombie, and they do have to handle her. So he wasn't wrong. It may have been bad timing, but I don't think that he was wrong in the sense of being like, hey, she's a zombie now. We need to deal with it because that like in any zombie story, that will just be their future. Someone's bitten like they'll kill them the moment that they essentially die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I do love Simon Pegg's freak out of you just want to kill my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That that whole scene is so fucking heartbreaking. Goddamn. The whole mom death is. uh, Oh, yeah. That's why I can't rewatch this movie. Like, it's hard for me to rewatch this movie like I've rewatched uh, Hot Fuzz and World's End because it's so dramatic and it gets so sad. Like, Bill Nye's little speech, like, being a father is fucked. And yeah, but he, he does comically oh, die, that... though. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to say, but when he's like, take care of your mother, Ooh. like, he, the way he sticks his face out, it does make me laugh a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he dies, like, dies hard in that film. I mean, well, the last we see of Zombie kind of Bill Nye is turning off the music. So, like, he might still be out there in this post-zombie status will, quo. And I really like that because I know that Edgar Wright's a huge George A. Romero fan. And 
I mean, they even sent him a, like a private screening of it and he loved it. And, and George Romero was like a huge like advocate to see the movie. He was trying to get it into all these different theaters and things in America and he even nice. wore shirts like That's I've amazing. seen Shoulder Dead and you should too and stuff. Like he was and so much so that he invited Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg onto the set of Land of the Dead, and they were zombies in that film. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know that means. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like tied this up is... at one point. I know way too much about zombies. There's been no, so no. many now. It's like in the wake of this, there's been like zombie comedies. Like, you know, there's yeah. been Warm Not Bodies, ones, there's though. been Anna and the Apocalypse. We like it. We're, we're fans of Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. 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 yeah not, so, not so much Warm Bodies, though. I'll give you that. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know there's like Cockneys versus Zombies, which just looks fucking dreadful. It, it looks like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrel in the zombie apocalypse, and I don't know if I could do that. It's got some actors in it, it's some guys, but uh, I've seen clips from it, and it's like nans with shotguns blowing off zombies' then, heads, and, and not in a fun way, like a bit of a... You know, a, a, a bit too lowbrow, in my opinion. I think it says a lot when the nicest thing you can say about a movie is, well, some of the people in it are actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's, that's uh, what yeah. I've heard a good bit about, along with what's called Doghouse, which is the, like, bachelor party gets attacked by zombies thing, uh, which is, is also... A, a friend of mine pointed that out to me as a potential British zombie film to talk about at some point. Um, okay. I think Doghouse. Have you name, guys but... ever seen Fido? I know about Fido. I've never yes. seen it though. With uh, what's his name? The Scottish comedian. I can't remember his name. Bill something. No, uh, but I have. It's, caught... it's a great. It's a great film. So something about the film I really enjoy. It's very. Not many people know about it, but it's it's just a world where they've conquered basically the zombie apocalypse. Like kind of like the end of Shaun of the Dead, where they're using them for groceries and this that and the other but in in fido people have pet zombies and yeah it's all very like 50s and uh, the actress who played trinity in the matrix is in it Ooh, carrie ann ross like yeah, yeah she yeah, plays yeah. like a 50s housewife she's absolutely stunning in it um oh, incredible i really love that film it's it's quite a, a fun film and it's actually like that's that film is the type of stuff i'm trying to do with my book it's just like take that trope but do it in in, in a fun and, and interesting way because it reminds me of like Fallout, the video game, that, that movie where, but like, you know, the people in the bunker, like everything's fine down here. Yeah. The world's gone to hell, but everything is great. Oh, hi. How are you? It's the fifties. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned like, you know, a world of keeping zombies as pets. Cause I don't want to talk about the ending of this movie in Ed, because while Sean is one of the most three dimensional nuanced characters, like in mo in zombie movies and his, Emotional growth and coming of age is the incredible beating heart of this movie. Ed is a little more two dimensional, I think. And I get, and to this day, I'm still not sure of what the ultimate message of this movie is. Ah, well, he just li he just lives in a shed and plays I mean, video games as a as a chained up pet. His his natural state, what he is honestly happiest as. But it's it's kind of funny in a way when you think about. I have people in my past that are the same way they were, you know, 20 years ago. And yeah. to me, that scene is always represented like, oh, I'm going to go see an old friend. And what do you do? You sit down and play, you know, Time Splitters on yep. PS2 and like have a beer. And you're like, oh, this is what this situation is now forever. So I always find that quite funny because it's like a quite a good reflection of real life. Some, you know, some people are meant for the past and that's, and he's stuck in it. And I like that. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to have, you know, 
all the you know watching it a ton growing up it was you know growing up being a teenager in college and stuff and now watching at an age where it's like oh yeah i've had friends that just fucking never developed past like 20 like that are like just got stuck in the past that just you know got stuck in the past that never developed and man it is weird I think it's kind of bittersweet, but also mostly sweet to me. Like, I always felt like it was, there was a lot going on there because he, Simon Pegg, Sean, killed his mom and was considering killing, like, he has a scene where he's like, I don't, I'm not going to shoot my mom, my best friend, and my girlfriend in the same evening. But the fact that he just couldn't bring himself to shoot his best friend and then he just figured out a way that his best friend is happy, which like was basically the same in life as he was in on death, right? It is, it is, yeah. You know, so like what you know, no harm, no foul. I think like he still has his best friend, and he, you know, maybe time splitters isn't as engaging when you're. I mean, I don't know how good Zombie Ed is at time splitters. Honestly, it didn't it's, seem very good. He was not holding the controller in a way that that really made sense. Yeah, right. have you guys played? Like a, by the way, has anybody here played time splitters too? Like I'm only like on the now. arcade. I've played Tekken. Yeah. I've played a shit. I want. I Time want... Splitters Two is is made by the same team that made Goldeneye, um, oh, and it's basically yes. like yeah, you could say it in like the shooting rings, like of the yeah, oh, yeah. Stuff like yeah. That. It's like I they souped them. up Goldeneye and made it like a quantum leap story. But like right. Time Splitters Two is is in the running, I think, for like best games of that generation. Uh, I want them to make known. a sequel, but I to Shaun of the Dead. But I want it to only be 40 seconds long and for it to just be zombie Nick Frost. Just like, but now he's got an Oculus Rift and motion controls. Yeah. And he's streaming. <laughs> yeah. Like live stream. oh, zombie <laughs> zombie <laughs> Nick Frost <laughs> would have so many fucking Twitch followers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Like that, that zombie just beat level three in Time Splitters too. Now that's a really <laughs> great, like, meta marketing campaign for something where Nick Frost, the actor, goes on and is plays a zombie. Hit, like, plays Zombie Ed and plays a video game as Zombie Ed. I think it might be about 15 years too late for that yeah. that ad, but I, I, I do I do get what you're saying. If there's a sequel, yeah. Then it, I, actually, if there was a Shaun of the Dead sequel, it just would have to be him streaming as Ed. Like, that's the sequel. Well, I can tell you, it was very uncomfortable this watch around just how much I agreed with Peter Serafinak. Serafinak with? Yeah. Take three. Yeah. It was very disturbing this time around how much I like agreed with Peter Serafinowicz in this movie, where it's like, yeah, keep the door closed. This guy's just this guy's not cleaning up or paying rent and is living there for apparently nine years. It is really hard for me to distinguish this character from Dwayne from Space. So like immediately I'm like, I hate him. Shoot him in the balls. Like, I know he's an asshole, but if somebody woke me up at four in the morning with super loud music when I had to work the next day, like, I can't say I would act much better than yeah. he did. Yeah, I think, well, Pete Pete and David do have the issue of, it's a classic conundrum of the method as opposed to the message, right? Like, you know, that was the, that was their whole problem was that David was a piece of shit. And he was right, but he could have done the, what he ended up doing at the end. Like he, in the first place, he could have just been like, hey, Sean, mom's out looks so good. I'm going to give you the gun and you know what to do. Instead of being like, I need to do this because I need to prove that I'm also like, you know, as as 
able in the situation as Sean is because Sean, the loser, has miraculously been like this super amazing zombie killer and saved us all and like even tried to sacrifice himself for everybody by like leading all the zombies away. And this is a remarkable act of heroism. Let's be real. It's a good thing David died when he did. Otherwise, he probably would have wound up like going down the Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate rabbit hole and way too late in life for it to even have any for it to be even more sad and fucked up. Oh, yeah. He was already listening to that kind of shit. Like he was already like reading those websites or whatever, whatever the equivalent was in uh, 2004. Like the only thing more cringy and fucked up than like a fucking 14 year old. Like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Then like a 14 year old. Yeah. (laughs) Parroting that shit is like a fucking 50 year old. Oh, I remember my question that I was going to ask earlier. Did this movie come out before Doom? Before the game Doom or the the, the, the movie Doom? The, the Carl like, Urban that's like, Doom? That's like 0405, isn't it? This is 04. Yes, that's 05. This is 04. This movie came out a first. year before. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So this movie did FPS the um the gun cam, you mean? The gun cam. Yeah, yeah this Well, that was that was an ode to Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Which that, by that the way, when are we doing when are we doing Doom? When are we doing Carl Urban versus the Evil Rock? I thought about pulling that up for my birthday this year, but uh, yeah, I heard but, Jeremy like floating. But they that. live one out. So oh yeah, okay, no, that's a good. Call. I love that movie as like good a call twelve year old, live. but I don't think I've seen it since I was twelve. Well, so. I just googled it, and it said on the credits list is uh, Doug Jones as a character named Doctor Carmack Imp. So it's clearly the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, debatable. It's, it's a but, fine um, film. It is. It is a. Uh, it is a film. I will agree about that. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, uh, have any of you seen the like special features for Shaun of the Dead? I know I, I saw like, the were bonus nothing. scene of Lucy Davis, uh, Diane, still being alive. She's in a tree. Yeah. And she was just so badass that she literally fought off an entire zombie horde and survived. And she's in Christmas card correspondence with uh, Liz and Shaw. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, what I remember from the DVD extras was they had a lot more like fully filmed television segments. Oh. Like I I remember they had like the full on like zombies trying to reach for the meats, like the Takeshi's Castle style shenanigans. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they, they also had a full segment with what's his name from Coldplay. Chris they were doing, yeah. Zombade. And like they had like all like, because you saw him for a second there. And I was like, I remember them having a full interview. And yeah, I that would that have been so fucking funny if they had a joke that was like Nickelback or Coldplay and like the lead singer was a zombie, but it made no fucking difference to their music. No, it made it better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Vedder is now. It might song. work for Nickelback. Like, okay. Oh, yeah, that's better. It get even I mean, more crumblier. Yeah, that actually, I mean, Pearl Jam is actually like a decent band. I can't speak confidently of my own opinion regarding Nickel Black. Nickel Black. There we go. Nickel Black. Nickel Black. Nickel Black. My worst nightmare of the band. <laughs> cold Back. Cold, cold uh, Back. I don't know about that one. <laughs> it sounds like a slang for a drink of some sort. Like, yeah. The, the, the mixed cold drink. Back. Sling, when it's a hot one, sling back a cold back. Called a sling, sling nickel, a cult. No, just it feels... also. I gotta say, the music supervisor for this film, and I noticed this as I was watching the credits last night, named Nicholas Angel. I was you like, didn't sit Are you fucking wait? Is that for fucking real? Are you shitting That's me? real. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, the, the music supervisor for this film is named Nicholas Angel. 
Did he come back for Hot Fuzz? That I, I don't know. Oh, I can figure his. That's why and Sean Penn were like, that's a great name. <laughs> and name, Edgar... name a character that. Oh, man. Edgar, Ed, Ed, man Sean Edgar Wright and Sean Penn's Hot Fuzz is a very different movie. <laughs> Sean Penn? Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, not Sean Penn. Um, this is all I can think about now. It's just like, it's just fucking like, it's Scotty from Star Trek, but now it's Sean Penn instead. God. I, that would make me sad. Simon Pegg is so cute. Like, he's so, like, boyish, small ears, you know? And he does this, whenever he looks sad, he's just such a, he's like a good actor, and he's really good at looking pathetic, but in this, like, boyish way that I can't help but, like, empathize. Like Simon? It's not like a, like a sexual attraction for me or anything. Like, he looks like somebody where I'm like, oh. Are you okay? You do want to fuck Simon Simon Pegg. It's okay. It's just not how I. It's just not how I feel about Simon Pegg. Like I, you know, I I think he's a good looking guy and stuff, but like I don't. I'm not like oh yeah, Simon Pegg. You know, like I love that okay. Simon Pegg has handed down his like characters and and space in the market to Jack Quaid. It's just like yeah. here, you're me now, because like literally the boys Jack Quaid is playing the character yeah, in it. the comics. Looks exactly like Simon. Talk Pegg. about a baton yeah. pass. Wait, where Simon Pegg plays his dad? Yeah. Okay. You you say that. What about World's End, Simon Pegg? Is that a fuckable Simon Pegg? Yeah, actually, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, fucking goth, bur- goth burnout, Simon Pegg? Come I think on. I know I that. Think I know I you're going to that, that Simon Pegg, and that was a bad idea, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely a bad idea. 100%. Okay. Um, all right, this this is a very a very deep hole we're diving into here. So I'm I'm gonna pull this back and uh, get us on track here with, with our question, guys. Uh, how does this movie handle uh, any kind of LGBTQIA plus representation? Not great. Doesn't I it mean, doesn't? And now I mean it's Nick Frost or Ed since gay when Simon Pegg is talking about his girlfriend. What you know? What I I'm watching Venture Brothers and just being like. Yeah, and you know, having been a teenager in 2004, it's sort of like, man, this is aged terribly, but yeah, we did call anything that had with a hint of emotional vulnerability gay back then. I am going that, to take this moment. Go ahead, finish your thought, and then I'm going to well, take Just like, I absolutely hate that he does it, but yeah, if we're just going for realism, Ed in 2004 is 100% calling just about everything under the sun gay. Yeah, I mean, the way, at least the way I, I hate think it. This, yeah, I hate it too. But in that, at least uh, it's coming uh, from the two thousands weren't a good decade, y'all. It was a bad no. decade. We were learning. But Ed is much s- harder to like in twenty twenty three than he was in two thousand four. Much he's a harder very, to like. He's a very two thousand four ass motherfucker. Yeah, from from embalms and stuff. Yeah, and and his lovely his lovely dropping of the n word when he drives up to pick everybody up. I was like, oh. Okay, did he actually say the N-word? Because my brain just went like, there's no way he said the N-word. He might, I must have misheard it. He said it, it with an A-Z at the end. Yeah, it was the A-Z one, but it's still like, I mean, it's a faux pas that a lot of white people still do. Still not great. Yeah. Like, and a lot of white people in 2004, when I saw the movie, did laugh at it. Again, watching oh. this movie at like 19, I'm like, man, Ed's a fucking good, like, I'd fucking party with Ed, hell yeah. Watching this 
this movie at 33, I'm like, I would absolutely kick Ed out of my house. Are you kidding? I would not fucking put up with Ed in my house. Oh, yeah, no goddamn way. When I saw it before and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, like he was still cringy when I was when I saw it. Like you you want him to bring you the weed and then leave. Yes. He's, he's yes. Best, that egg is best in attack. I don't even block. want to get my weed from that. Oh, Nick Frost and Attack the Block. Now that's a Nick Frost I can get behind. Yeah, like that that egg would never drop the end bomb. Mm-mm. That's an because executive level. Shot. That's an executive level, Ed. He is, he's yeah. got up the ladder a few steps. Yeah, yep. that Ed is, is that is a success, Ed. Like that is an Ed who's upward. Of, that is an Ed who may not be living legally, but is still able to pay bills. Yeah. So I'm going to go on my thing because we talk about LGBTQIA stuff, and you know we talk a lot about space, and the, there's a specific episode of space that this is based on that is basically like this was that was you can see that is the seed for Shaun of the Dead it's an episode wherein Simon Pink's character whose name is Tim Beasley who's this comic artist which is like how targeted are we getting here but named after Simon Beasley which like I know too much about space but there's a he has a neighbor who is a fine artist now when I first saw space I was in art school and I did not expect to be so hit with something so relatable than Simon Pegg and Mark Heap's like weird shit that they had going on as a comic artist and a fine artist. And like the kind of shit that I was hearing from both sides as, you know, as my identity was swinging from comic artist to fine artist as I was going through fine art school where nobody like all my professors were like, comics are the thing that we like make collages of. But anyway, this episode, Tim Beasley is bu- bullied into taking a bunch of speed and won't stop playing Resident Evil. Yeah, and at the end it. of the My day, yeah. I just and- have to say, what your teacher said reminds me of why I want to like find a necromancer, reanimate re- Roy Lichtenstein, and just slap him across the face as hard as I can. He's had a really bad time, though. Roy Lichtenstein, didn't he have a really bad time? I mean, he was an artist, so. yeah. I can't remember what, but anyway. I mean, probably. I just know he made a lot more money than the actual, than the comic artist whose work he took. That's true. I mean, if we're going to slap anybody, we're, we can slap anybody. You know, it, it, there's a, I will say he's not, not even in the top 50 list of people who deserve necro, slap via necromancy. I mean, Andy Warhol is definitely above him, I think. Oh, 100% Andy Warhol. Way but above him. he would him. like it. And that's why I would slap him. Because I know he would be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm rewatching Venture Brothers. I'm reminded how their version of Andy Warhol was combined with Lex Luthor in the Legion of Doom and I, just chef's kiss. Okay. I, I need to, as much as I really like, I'm really intrigued by this because I haven't seen that much Venture Brothers. I need to go back to space because this episode of space where Tim sees, like does the speed, plays Resident Evil, starts seeing zombies. There's a whole subplot with Brian seeing his ex. And that is really like his whole exes situation is arguably incredibly transphobic. So we're talking about space a lot. And I talk about how space is a big uh, influence in this. Be warned if you're going to check out space and you haven't yet. This episode has some real like transphobic angles. And this is, of course, from 1997. It's not an excuse, but I just want people to be aware it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor. It's from Little Britain. Very, very like kind of flamboyant actor who plays a quote-unquote non-gender-specific artist who's a total asshole. Uh, David Williams. David, well, thank you. And, you know, great on Little Britain. 
But yeah, the... oh, don't, don't worry. The, I mean, half of Little Britain is is, is you can't watch on television anymore because of past problematic stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least a lot of those. He's a children's are... author now. Bless, bless him. He's a great guy, though. I mean, a lot of these people. It was such a different time that none of them actually meant offense. It was more just socially acceptable, right? But I don't think yeah. they truly meant like anything bad by this stuff. And it just took decades to finally learn. Hey, maybe that stuff I did was inappropriate. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially like some of the stuff like from the late nineties, two thousands. Like it was just like, especially like you know, yeah, like South Park and all that. Like it was just a time oh, yeah. when like wanton irresponsible boundary pushing for its own sake was being so rewarded like yeah again, very well I was, said i was a teenager making a web comic in the 2000s lord oh lordy please oh please do not judge my current character by the the content of that fucking web comic is it still up no but archives exist oh yeah that's true yeah I, this movie no, it's interesting I'm not to me because paying two hundred dollars a year just to ho- just to fucking keep oh. hundreds of cancelable cancelable comic strips like uh, publicly available. This movie is simultaneously way ahead of its time, but also could not be more two thousand four if it were wearing a short skirt with a visible thong. Like it's just <laughs> yeah, while playing like, thong song. Yeah, yeah, if if the skirt was like a low rise skirt with a thong above the skirt, it couldn't be more two thousand four. If yeah. they were drinking Corona and racing Vin Diesel, like it's just, it's very much in that moment. And I I think like it's a it's an accurate projection of that moment, even in the stuff that when you watch it now, you're like, yeah, um, it's like no, I mean that's that's the world that Sean lives, it's the world that we lived in in two thousand four. I yeah. don't think it does. I don't think it as a movie does anything that's that's outright offensive and is offensive. He's meant to be. Uh, He maybe doesn't come off quite as uh, quite as jovial and fun as uh, as he would have at the time. But also, you know, like like Ben said, that's a a symptom of us growing up and being like, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah, Um, we've all we've all had experiences with our own eds that have, you know, yeah. led oh, us yeah. to think maybe we're not quite so forgiving of those guys anymore. But yeah, I think, you know, we said it, it doesn't have too much to say about LGBTQ stuff at all. Um, there's yeah. nothing outright offensive or attacking on that side. But, you know, it also doesn't have much of anybody who is non-white in this movie. Oh, yeah. God, no. Like, there is an... There is a South Asian man who runs the, not bodega, but whatever, I forget what bodega, you know, the store, the corner store. Corner shop. Yeah, the corner shop. Like, that is it. And I mean, it's, his depiction could be more flattering, but it's not. It's not an offensive depiction. He's just the guy to run the corner store. It is just, yeah, yeah, like. The the only non-white person in the movie is the corner store owner, and that is not a very meaty role. Yeah. I mean, there are there is diversity among the zombies, but I mean, it's not a very big cast and it's also a very like specific cast. If the movie was made today, I think it would definitely have some diversity. But I think but again, it's a very specific depiction of a a specific group of people the same way that like space was. And I do want to mention that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and everybody are not. They're not certain. Don't worry. Oh, no. And the degree to which it's just plain like, look, this movie had a pretty small cast and these group of guys wanted to work with 
their friends and collaborators. Yeah, well, that's another thing about the Cornetto trilogy is that it's a, a lot of people that have worked together for a very, very long time. And so, yeah. you know, there's it's not about like representation so much as it is about these people and their dynamic. It has, I guess, sort of moderate things to say about class. I mean, it is very much a projection of people who are very like thoroughly lower middle class, you mm-hmm. know, if not lower class, three dudes to an apartment, you know, just getting by. But yeah, I don't think it, it I don't think it stretches to do like a very Romero discussion of, of politics and, and yeah. class. So do, do you feel any, any way about that, Will? I, I mean, I think. All the social commentary comes from the beginning of the movie and just the people that you see inevitably becoming zombies. Yeah. And then the whole sort of thing is you're, you're a zombie of your own life to begin with, of the repetition, et cetera. And that, and that really does play into like, you need to grow up, right? Because mm-hmm. he's practically living the same day over and over again, living with his friend, going to the same pub and all that stuff. And it, that is, in a sense, can be transcribed as, as what a zombie does is, is living in repetition. So yeah. I love, I love all of that. But, now, at the end of the day, this film is a love story, and that's what it truly is, and that, and that's what I think it truly executes as well. I think all of that stuff is a complete, like, side fun, and, and it's great, but it's never trying to put that on full display. Yeah. I mean, this is this movie really excels at what people keep joking about, what they want out of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies which is the fact that, you know, you have a really meaningful interaction. Of course, in this case, it's a lot more relatable interaction of, of people. And then the zombies are, are just part of it, you know? There is a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies movie, isn't there? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I've, I've seen Shaun of the Dead. I don't need to see this. I mean, if I wanted to see people in period costumes, okay, maybe. I think but that like, came off the back of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those where I'm like... Yeah, that checks out. I haven't seen any of those, but I'm like, this is a title. Like, this movie is a title, and then you made a movie on it, and I'm not drunk enough. I'm past my days of staying up with my Apple schnapps and playing Tekken. (laughs) As much as I would, you know, maybe one day for my birthday, just play Tekken all night and drink Apple schnapps. Sounds great. Um, I don't know if my healthcare can cover the results of that but the five-day well, hangover of that result yeah that's a mental health day i'd say <laughs> yeah i was gonna say this this movie doesn't have a ton to say about about mental health or physical disability really i mean we we get there's, there's yeah, a zombie there's, in a wheelchair yeah there's yeah. a zombie in a wheelchair using the wheelchair as well yeah yeah they're not just not just pulling themselves down the street they're actually zombie using the wheelchair and that's um, why i thought it was quite romero like because they're remembering stuff from their regular life right yeah yeah this is also the only yeah. zombie movie where you really kind of see the uh, outbreak being sorted out right like oh we pretty much got this under control now like i can't really think of too many other zombie stuff where it ends isn't that kind going of back to normal yeah we know really fully back to normal yeah i've really seen it isn't like i always like how 28 days later do where it's like look the world is fine one city is utterly fucked but yeah. we were able to contain it to that one city. But, yeah. the, even the, but the television even showed that it was worldwide. It was worldwide. No, you're right. This really is like the one zombie thing where it's like, you know, Z-Day, where it's like they, you know, they essentially got it sorted out in, what, 48 hours? And the fact that they call it Z-Day means it must have been sorted out quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the bulk, the bulk of the zombie part of the movie, I mean, all happens in one day. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I know in protagonists always run out of bullets, but in real life, there's so many bullets. Uh, well, yeah, once this, the soldiers are really good at telling who's a zombie and who isn't. They're really bad at shooting zombies in the head, though. They, yeah. They yeah, waste a lot of bullets though. shooting zombies in the chest and stomach. <laughs> That's accurate, though, right? He didn't know how to shoot a, a, a gun, especially some guy from the UK. It's not like he's going down the range in the weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just talking about the soldiers. Sean is yeah. believably oh, bad with right, a gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I mean, like, yeah, just the soldiers. Yeah, but right. they're just but spraying he... and praying, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Correct. They have been playing their due diligence of time splitters. And then yeah. stop. Um, hey, here's a, a question for you. Do we feel, uh, how do we feel this movie does as far as uh, being feminist? Is it feminist? Is it not? It's, it? it's not not feminist. I agree. Yeah, that's why right. it's not explicitly trying to be feminist. And it's certainly, you know, not, you know, the mom and girlfriend characters aren't bad, but they do exist to be mom and girlfriend. Yeah, and they do have a little bit more than they're they're they have a little bit more agency and a little bit more like screen time. Oh yeah, really a chance to to see their character and you know and Diane, albeit small, her part still being like you know going out in a place powerhouse, small, yeah, a tiny role but a powerhouse of a role. Let's give it up, Lucy Davis fucking brought it. She did, and when she was oh when she was like te- when she was like. Leading the acting like, workshop on zombie. That was an amazing scene. Yeah. My, she's always great. My favorite bit with her is after she does the acting workshop, when they're walking to, through the group of zombies and everybody else is moaning and she's like on pitch. She's, she's like moaning. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it was like, <laughs> it's so, it's so after. It's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Well, there there is a very strong female character in Shaun of the Dead, and it's um I can't remember the character's name, but it's Sean's ex girlfriend who Liz. leads a whole, whole yeah leads a whole other group. Oh, Yvonne. Oh, yes, Yvonne. Yeah, leads a who whole other group, gets the get army together, killed. and is 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 getting things done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so was, I want to see if there's a spinoff or a sequel to Shaun of the Dead. That's what I want to see. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see her. what Yvonne was up to. Yeah, I want to see yeah. like the other side of that story. She's great. Also, her mom was like, Marco. Can we appreciate that fucking like the military's coming out with like just shooting machine guns and Avon still just kicking ass with a golf club? Fuck yeah. 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 And you know, she's like, and it's funny because she's a strong, you know, she's like the strong female character, but we don't really need to see her being the strong female character because we know that she is. So we're, you know, we're going to, there's not a lot of like emotional conflict there. It's all like, that's the action movie that's happening. Like she's yeah. I love movie. I love the low key judgment she has when they reunite. She's like, oh, just as the two of you then. Okay, it's then good that uh, somebody made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could, you could have done worse, I suppose. Yeah. Well, she had the same judgment when they're like, oh, we're going to the Winchester. She's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Good luck. Yeah. But that's the thing is that unlike all of the other like the assholes in the movie that are like, yeah, naysaying everything, she's like. You're making this decision. This isn't the time to nag you about it. This isn't the time to like judge anybody. You know, I'm going this way. We can we could go together if you want, but you have this idea and I'm not going to challenge that because, you know. She has very healthy ex energy. Like that she's like, "Oh, just want to see how you were doing. Oh, you're still screwing yeah. everything up. Go ahead." Just, you know, you you do you. I am not invested in this relationship anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's 
it's nice. I uh, I really appreciate her in this film. I almost wonder if it was like supposedly a sequel to Spaced, like yeah. it, if it was originally pitched that way. I'm not sure. I know that it yeah. was all. It all came off of that one episode when they did Resident Evil Two. Yeah. And it was all spawned from that idea and, and playing around with that because I, I love that. I mean, I, I'm a diehard Resident Evil fan. So, like, what, what, and Resident Evil 2 on PS1 is my favorite zombie game. So, having a show, like, when I watched that and I was like, like, Edgar Wright, who made Shaun of the Dead, is like making a mini Resident Evil movie right now. This is the best. I bet. I do think that there's something interesting to say. I don't know if this has to do with what progressive politics. I mean, I maybe a little bit of uh, health, but. It's a really interesting movie to watch post like pandemic lockdown because watching everybody kind of business as usual their way through this catastrophic event. And of course, there's a little bit less like, I mean, the pandemic had less zombies. You didn't have to shoot anybody. There were times where like I remember seeing like images from protests in the South for people's people trying to like open businesses and stuff and it looked exactly like all of the people on the at the pub and Shaun of the Dead. It's also a well sort of pre-modern social media and mobile phones. Yeah. Stuff, so and it, the old British saying of just keep calm, carry on is quite yeah. true. There's so many people I guarantee there was millions of people in this fucking country that when they went into lockdown they're like, what? What's going on? Like because they're just not paying attention to any of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. If anything, the pandemic really convinced me that all of these zombie movies were maybe optimistic. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, oh, no, if this if we have a zombie outbreak, we're toast. <laughs> There's no way this is going to get solved in 24 hours or 48 hours or six months or nope. yeah. before our extinction. Not happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think it's interesting. You were talking, you were asking about Britishisms in there. I do think like they handle a lot of the Britishisms really well and that there's something about the cadence of like the zombie movies and the characters that like even when there are things that might be specific to britain they're still like oh like i understand where that fits in like the stepdad and his like ranting about how oh they were tested in the isle of white like you know he <laughs> he knows what it's like to really get out there and then fight like i don't know almost anything about the Isle of Wight, but like I know enough to like know what the cadence of that is. Yeah. Yeah. The the it's it's a good uh like a lot of the British like the other specific British details I think are all pretty like contextually clear. Like, you know, when they talk about Cornetto, you know, you don't know what a Cornetto is, but then you see him eat one. So then you know, you know, it's a it's just so cracks me up that after a night of drinking, like you just fancy a corner shop ice cream. Like that's uh, that's so on uh, point I, of like, yeah, like I, I, I've you've been, been there. up all night. You're like, what do you want for breakfast? Yep. Like ice cream, cornetto, right? Basically, cereal. That. It's frozen cereal. No, it's 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 not. It's it's it literally just an ice cream cone. No, I know. I'm my, just saying, like, because it, it has all the same stuff in, as cereal. Oh, it's just yeah, frozen. Yeah. My problem living in London for a bit was every time I would have a Cornetto, I would just silently go to myself, yeah, like the movie. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been since like 1990, so I didn't have any idea of the, you know, the power that was in my hands at the time. I was just like, look at these crazy Rice Krispies boxes. They're different. Didn't have Cheerios in England at the time. But uh, yeah. Really? If I, no Cheerios? I didn't find it. Like I was... The most 
British sounding name for a cereal ever. Cheerio. I know. I know. I couldn't find. We went, went all over Europe and we didn't find any Cheerios. It was just Rice Krispies. And they all had different. Well, we all... like bland things in this country, yes. sadly. Everything must be droll and bland and gray. What Such is in shame. Britain, Cheerios were just called What's Up? Like, that's really good, Jeremy. That's really good. I don't know. That's I'd... funny shit. That's so really No, we we have Weetabix, which is just instead of all your cereal separated into pieces of cereal, it's one mega block of cereal. Oh you yeah, pour milk on, and then you figure out how you'd like to eat that. You have to like carve it. Like yeah, we we like eating everything with a knife and fork. So <laughs> you have that, and then you drink the milk as afterwards after it's poured all through the fork. Yeah, we well, have frosted wheat here. That's basically the same thing. Yeah, we oh, have fro- one of those. frosted though. Ooh, what luxury! Yeah. <laughs> we we had we took it and we were like, what if we put sugar on that shit? Yeah, and, and then we were like, what it. if we made it sugary and then we chopped it up into a bunch of pieces? So now we have frosted mini wheats that still are. I don't know. My wife eats them. I I still think they're nasty. I love them. I used to binge, like, my summers in college were staying up all night, binging anime, eating frosted mini-wheats out of the box, and drinking Mountain Dew slushies. And that's me, baby. We have we do have Mountain Dew over here, but it doesn't taste... I, I, your version of Mountain Dew is illegal in our country. Yeah, because I think our guys... Wait, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what specifically got it banned? Because it should, ca- it should be global illegal well there's so much chemicals and pesticides that it's in american food that england is it's just completely banned well yeah. that's why a lot of people might think like oh this food's so bland in your country it's like yeah because it's not full of like all these crazy ass chemicals that are like keeping you addicted to the certain stuff yeah well, it, well, mountain dew's got mountain, that yellow five don't nobody pre- want the yellow five yeah. i'm pretty sure the oh, big thing about, about the yellow is five whatever food coloring is used is like considered toxic cancer causing yeah. it. Yeah, that's yellow five. It uh oh, right. supposedly makes people impotent, but we keep reproducing. Lowers, so it's it just they said it lowers your sperm count, but it's negligible. Yeah. Um unless you were constantly drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah. As people who live in the part of the country I live in do. Yeah. They they are constantly doing the do. Yes. Um but I mean yeah. the Red Forty is uh, I think it's Red Forty Lake, which is the one that's actually like really carcinogenic it's on all of our m&ms so um yeah i mean oh god now i have a new fear new fear oh across the board british candy is better than american candy uh yeah. anything that has That's chocolate true. in it um, it's extremely true even even our hershey's products are made via like the uk version of hershey's so oh yeah that's true all are like the is that m&ms is that part of hershey's no, uh, no m&ms is m&m mars Oh, Mar- oh, that's it. Yeah, our Mars chocolate. So all of our like peanut M and M's and M and M's are like ten times better because it's made with nicer chocolate and stuff. Like when I first moved to the states with my family, yeah, we were like, oh, look, this is the English, this is the American chocolate. It's called Hershey's. We were at like a bowling alley or something like that, and we're like, oh, can we have some? Like, oh yeah, of course, we all tried it. And my dad went, this tastes like dog shit smells. Like we all thought it was like the most disgusting thing. And I think it's like a vice versa thing, like. Americans come to England and they're like, this food tastes like dog shit. It's disgusting because it's got way less flavors than America does. Uh, they haven't had you, the right the bangers and mash, though. No. Like, you got to, you got to, Brit- you have some bangers and mash. Well, like, they have it. Depends. I mean, like, um, look, 
they have learned these... the secret of British food, which is that you're not supposed to eat any of it sober. <laughs> but uh, you, all these American companies have been coming to the UK recently. And as someone who grew up in America, I was getting excited. Like, even if they are crap places like TGI Fridays, etc. I was like, all oh, right, geez. there's not really a casual dining place you can go out for that type of price to go on a date with, like in the UK. So this is going to be great besides like Nando's or something like that. And it's all just like, there's, I feel like there's a guy in a meeting. Whenever some American company's like, right, we want to make this UK. And there's some English guy in there that's like, yeah, forget every flavor. Get rid of all that. Use a microwave to cook everything. And you've got to have an option that's just garlic bread covered in cheese. So it, like, like if they had, if we had the Olive Garden here, instead of like those breadsticks, it would be garlic bread and cheese. And I would just, it just drives me nuts. Like, the oldest food is so terrible. And I don't know what happens when it comes over here when people try and fix it. And I'm not crapping on English food. You go to London, you can eat the best food you've ever eaten in your life. Our Indian cuisine in England is oh, yeah. the best in the world. It's so yeah. good. But when it comes oh, yeah. to like incredible Indian and Turkish cuisine. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turkish as well. Absolutely. And Greek. But when it comes to like just bog standard foods, it's just, especially all these American companies that come here, like you eat a, KFC or Burger King in this country, you'll be like, I don't know what this is. My favorite was passing I mean, by fried chicken places and seeing them call it chicken American style. <laughs> I think okay, when I was uh, in Ireland, the, the one thing that I would eat from the McDonald's there is they do the standard like chicken sandwich, but then they put like the sweet chili sauce on everything. And it's like, all right, uh, that's edible. Curry, yeah, there's curry sauce as well. I miss buffalo sauce so much. I have to like buy like it buy like the barrel because it's the only size I can buy like Frank's red hot sauce in. Uh, and I made like classic buffalo wing once. My friends are like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. I'm like, it's so easy. Like, why can't England do this? Like, it's crazy to me. Yeah, the the only stuff I really rest- got wistful for during my time there was uh, any sort of Mexican food. Mexican food is sort of right out in britain and then like we have taco bell now and it's not good yeah Um, it's not good here either yeah it's not good but it's it's not supposed it's not supposed to be good there's yeah but it's you know what you get when you go to taco bell right Uh, yeah but in in england's diarrhea yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) what you get but uh no there has been a few mexican restaurants that have been popping up recently so i'm excited about that we're just slow here there's too many people in this country just like chips you just want chips with everything, any meal, chips. Yeah. Anyway, I don't the know only other thing I missed was peanut butter. Can't get uh, peanut butter anywhere. No, there's peanut butter. My, my favorite brand of peanut butter is Sunpat, which is a UK brand. And I had to, when we lived in America for 13 years, I could only eat Sunpat. So anytime <laughs> a relative came to visit, they'd open their suitcase up like the scene from Taxi Driver full of guns, except <laughs> it was freaking like barrels of Sunpat. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should start we should start wrapping this up. We usually ask, is this something we recommend people uh, watch? Is it something they should check out? Will uh, I guess almost twenty years later? Oof, that hurt. Do you think it's uh, still something everybody should check out? Yeah, I do. I I first rewatched it after a good ten or twelve years, only about six months ago, and I had a great time. And I forgot, like, man, I used to love this film as a teenager. And I just, as I said in the beginning, all of just like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the stuff's happening that's going to be paid off later on on repetition. 
I'm not phrasing that very correctly, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's a great film, a great zombie film made by people that are fans of zombies, clearly. And that's that's always shows through the work. Fantastic. Uh, ben, Emily, yeah. are we still on the same page? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my God. A thousand percent. If, Everything will if it has not been clear in this episode that my love for this film is deep and eternal, let me profess it now. I fucking love Shaun of the Dead. I, I feel like this is a movie that people have been chasing for, again, the last 20 years, and nobody's yeah. nobody's quite caught it yet. There's been mm. some, you know, some decent takes. I mean, like, thanks, we were we're fans of Anna the Apocalypse, but that's a whole different, that's a musical. That's a whole that, different thing. Yeah, that's got a Christmas and a musical. That's, yeah, that's got, got bells and whistles, and the bells and whistles are covered in fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think anybody's no. quite caught up with Shaun of the Dead even still. I, I am ready for Shaun of the Dead, the musical, to hit Broadway. Damn, imagine what? that Winchester. That's... Imagine the set of the Winchester. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need many sets for this even, so. Yeah. There's, some, there's something there. All right. Uh, I guess that then brings us to, uh, I mean, we've thrown a lot out there already, but do we have any recommendations for people following up on Shaun of the Dead? Hot Fuzz? Yes. Follow it up with the watch the whole dang trilogy. Yeah, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Then uh, I know what you were saying, Day of the Dead is this your favorite. Yeah, if you want a really just good zombie movie, especially that has to do with social commentary, which George Air does so well, I recommend Day of the Dead. It's such a good film. It's like the first zombie movie as well to first ever do the fact that if you get bitten and you remove a limb, you might not actually turn into a zombie, which is a trope that's been done lots now, but it was completely new at the time. And also a banging soundtrack to that fucking mm-hmm. movie. Oh my God, it's so mm-hmm. good. And it still has one of the best openings and endings of a zombie movie ever. I'm hyping it up a bit. Look, it's a low budget movie. A lot of people find the acting questionable. I really love it. So I recommend that. But if you want another lighthearted, fun zombie movie, then I recommend Fido because that is just a really fun and, and unique zombie story, which is... My peanut butter and jam. My sun pat and jam. Good. I've talked about space and all that kind of stuff. If you like the Edgar Wright crew and you want to see some other stuff, they also did this really weird, almost indistinguishable from the material that is spoofing a series called Look Around You, which is like basically a very dry parody of British educational films. It's hard to find on YouTube, but I think there there's a DVD of it out there. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. But when it comes to zombies, there are two things that I absolutely have to recommend. One is a video game that is underrated called Stubbs the Zombie. Oh, yeah. Great game. Yeah. And that was one where you actually, you're, you are the zombie and you're in sort of, um, you're, you're in Fallout, but it's like just full comedy. You do have they to. Met- there's yeah. a re-release on the Switch as well, so you can really, play it on there. yeah, yeah. I I just watched like my, I watched my friends play it on Xbox, which is yeah. you know just tells you it was around the same time that I was watching Shaun the Dead. And if you like comedy zombie movies with a really awesome musical angle, check out Wild Zero, which is a Japanese zombie movie with uh, if you find a right version, built-in drinking game, and really does a lot better with the trans issues in that one so check out wild zero if you can find it it is an experience somewhat astonishing to me that we haven't made it around to that yet oh i was it was my second choice i think it's going to be next year's birthday movie for me because we've already chosen this one but next i'm getting there unless someone else chooses it which i'm fine please if you're out there review it with us 
Uh, ben, did you have a recommendation? Did you? you uh, I recommended uh, Hot Fuzz and oh, yeah. World's End. Yeah, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Uh, yeah, I feel like there were a lot of there were a lot of movies that tried to do what Shaun of the Dead was doing. There's a lot of Zombie Lands, and none of them quite live up to. I don't uh, think Zombie Land holds up at all. I don't know if you really like talk about if you think Shaun of the Dead is problematic for the time oh, it no. came out in, but yeah, watch out for Zombie Land. Oh no, uh, I, it's I been would a while since I revisited it. I would not recommend that, especially when there are so many uh, better ones to watch. You know, I I like Day of the Dead personally. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is my my favorite of the Romero ones. Obviously, do the Romero one. Not, I think it's been remade twice now, right? Yeah. I certainly don't watch the. Well, I mean, if you want to watch the Zack Snyder one, more power to you. But there's, you know, there's even more Day of the Dead remakes, even though they have nothing to do with the original. And there's a new Day of the Dead TV show on sci-fi that came out as well that also has nothing to do with it. They're just taking the name and just doing whatever they want. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, it's, I mean, it's about the cast for me because you have, you know, Ken Foray and all of these people in there who are doing extraordinary work in there. I mean, it's still, I think, Night of the Living Dead has a, a lot of, I, it's really it's really good, really well-structured and made on like a shoestring budget. But Dawn of the Dead is right in there with it as a little more to say i think eventually the flyboy zombie in that to me is still i think is one of the scariest looking zombies when that elevator opens he's there all green like and with the blood dripping down him and the way he walks it's like the best zombie acting i've ever seen the way he moves like the, the gun like still spinning like on his finger even though he's like just moving around i i love that so much I saw that movie i was at a convention and it was on a laptop and it was in the middle of the night so i think it's very good uh, it's a pretty good venue for that, although it is a little bit difficult to recall. But I remember really liking the atmospheric uh, the quality of that movie. So, Have any of you guys seen the 90s remake of Night of the Living Dead made by Tom Savini? I'm not. I know yes. I have. I do not remember almost any of it. And is that, one, is that the one with Dan O'Bannon? Or no, I'm thinking of a different one. Dan O'Bannon, who's that? He's the one who, was, who worked on Alien. He's a writer, oh. yeah. Maybe, I'm not sure. But basically, they asked Romero to remake the film, and he's like, no, I don't want to do that, but Tom Savini will do it. If you don't know who Tom Savini is, he's the special effects guru that's been a part of... Yeah, he basically created Jason from Friday the 13th and this, that, and the other, and he's just... He's a personal hero of mine. I think Tom Savini's awesome. But yeah, I'd recommend that film as well. That's that's good fun. Awesome. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Oh, that's a different one. That's a different one. Yeah, the 90s one is a different one that I'm thinking of. Yes. But yeah, it's good. That's Tony Todd. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Everybody we do loves love Tony, Tony Todd, Todd here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that that does it for us. Uh, Will, do you want to uh, give the rundown of your Kickstarter again and uh, make sure people know where to find you there? Absolutely. So as of this, if you're listening to this, that means that the Kickstarter is out and it's called yes. Outbreaks. I'm sure the link will be in the description of this. If you'd like to just try it out and read a story for free, on my website, speechcomics.com, and that's speechcomics.com, you can read, read six pages of the book for absolutely free. A story written, drawn, lettered, colored by me that's a sort of like a daredevilish, noir, zombie, superhero, Sin City blend. Makes no sense that those all go together, but it works. So if you want to try it out there, you can do that. Uh, you can also check me out on any of my social media, at Robson Inc., and that's R O B E. S-O-N-I-N-K, and you can sort of see what I'm up to, whether I'm writing a drawing, 
something currently I'm working on Howard the Duck for Marvel Comics. So you can see me posting pictures of that. And also check out my podcast, Batman the Animated Series Podcast. Me and my brother interview actors and creators of that show and make very, very silly videos on, uh, what's it called? My brother does it. What's the popular thing kids like? TikTok, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) He's all about that. I just go on the show. Yeah, I've got a million things going on. Also go to zoop.gg. I'm launching a horror book there. I had a book that was canceled by IDW. Sadly, a creator-owned book, but I'm trying to get it crowdfunded through there. So lots going on with me. So if you could check it out in any capacity, much appreciated. I have checked out that uh, the Kickstarter page and the panel where you have the Matrix Z. Yes. Very good. Very Thank good. you very much. Yeah. Very good. I appreciate that. All right. And uh, while we're at it, Emily, do you want to let people know where they can uh, find you online? I am Mega Moth on a lot of things, in, uh, including Blue Sky. And I'm still kicking around on Twitter. You know, I'll be there when it goes belly up, when it goes twits up. And I'm on Patreon and Megamoth and also Instagram Mega underscore Moth and uh, various Megamoth.net. It's dot com. Awesome. And uh, what about you, Ben? Uh, yes. Uh, you can always find me at BenConComics.com where you can sign up for my upcoming newsletter and check out some of my upcoming work. Like, like Heavenly Blues is getting a bookstore re-release. And of course, L. Campbell wins their weekend. My pros debut from Scholastic is out October 17th. Find me on Twitter at Ben the Con and on Blue Sky at Ben Con Writes. Awesome. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and on Blue Sky and Tumblr at Jeremy Whitley. And I am at jeremywhitley.com, where you can go pick up a copy of The Dog Night right now, which is out with uh, me and my artist, Bri Indigo. You can also pre order School for Extraterrestrial Girls Volume 2, which I do with uh, Jamie Noguchi. And we uh, have recently, I guess it's, they just sent me the stuff for preview, so it'll probably be out around the time this comes out. The order will go up for uh, the the book I'm doing with Titan, which is called The Cold Ever After, which is uh, sort of uh, Arthurian noir queer horror thing. It's a little bit of everything. And that one's uh, with my, uh, my friend Megan Wong, who's drawing that one. Um, and of course, the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod. Uh, and you can find us at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think of, of the episodes. We would also uh, love you to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It helps other people find it. It really does. Giving a good review makes it pop up more places. Thanks again to Will for joining us. Will, this was a, a treat. I haven't revisited this one in a while, and it's a favorite. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This was wonderful. No worries at all. I had a great time. Excellent. And uh, definitely go check out Will's Kickstarter. And thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Ben and Emily for being here with me. And until next time, stay horrified.